Discover the tips and strategies that will help you achieve your retirement goals. I'm your host, James Canole, and this is the podcast dedicated to helping you retire well. It all starts right here on Ready for Retirement. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Ready for Retirement. I'm your host, James Canole, and it is no secret that investing can be hard. Investing can be very difficult, and why that is isn't for the reasons most people would expect. What we're going to do today is we're going to talk about how can we distill through all the noise, all the craziness, all the headlines that we see around investing, and distill it down to some core fundamental truths that we can all apply to our lives, apply to our portfolios, apply to our plans to become better investors and to create better lives for ourselves. Now, before we do so, I'm going to start by reading back to you or just reading to you some headlines that I've seen over the past few years. I'd like to clip some of these just to look back and remind myself at the absurdity of the financial media and how absolutely terrible they are at their jobs. So what do I mean by that? Here are some headlines that have been published over the last few years. And this is a tiny sample size of hundreds and thousands and tens of thousands of headlines that we've seen over the years. The first one, though, this headline says the Dow drops nearly 3000 points as coronavirus collapse continues. Worst day since 87. Year before that, the Dow plunges 760 points and worst day of 2019 as the trade war intensifies. Okay, few days, few years before that. A 5% pullback could happen within weeks. Here's how David Bianco of Deutsche Asset Management says you should protect yourself in August of 2017. Well, I'm reading this because this is all we ever see as investors. And I misspoke a minute ago. A minute ago, I said, I want to remind myself of how terrible financial journalists are at their job. I should take that back. They are absolutely brilliant at their job, but they are terrible at providing investment advice. I need to make a distinction. Their job is not to make you a better investor. Their job is not to tell you how you should invest your portfolio to accomplish your goals. Their job, they have a fiduciary obligation to get people to read their articles so that their publication can sell ads and remain in business. And these journalists do a fantastic job of getting our attention, pandering to what gets our attention, which is fear, which is calamity, which is the crisis of the day. And they do that by these types of headlines. Now, I bring this up because there's a a famous book called Thinking Fast and Slow written by Daniel Kahneman. And in this book, he documents the research that he did with Amos Tversky. And this research won the Nobel Prize. And there's a whole bunch of different things that they go through in this book. They talk about these heuristics or these biases that we all have and we have them unconsciously. But one big one that applies to us as investors is he, he repeatedly uses this acronym. And it's a long acronym, and it is W-Y-S-I-A-T-I. He uses this repeatedly, and what it stands for is what you see is all there is. What you see is all there is, meaning there's so much information. There is so much to know out there, but our minds are limited by what's in front of us and what we see. Now, as investors, what do we see? Well, we see these headlines. We see these headlines of the Dow dropping 3,000 points, and the Dow plunging, and the trade war intensifying, and all these things happening. And I bring this up because this is what we see, but that is not all that there is. And the goal of today's episode is to say, how can we filter through the noise? How can we filter through what financial journalists are saying to get your attention so they can sell ads that get your attention even more? 
And how do we look at what the greatest investors of all time have said? How do we filter through to the truths, to the things that we know work, and so that you as investors can apply these principles to your own life? So what we're going to do is we're going to jump in and read some things that the best investors of all time have done. But before I do so, just a quick aside. The last headline that I read said, a 5% pullback could happen within weeks. And here's how David Bianco of Deutsche Asset Management says you should protect yourself. That is a real headline on CNBC on August 31st of 2017. And it just shows you the absolute absurdity of financial journalism. A 5% pullback, just to put it in perspective, it happens on average once every five months. Meaning that if you are reading a headline saying something that happens regularly could happen soon, it just shows you how absolutely meaningless many of these headlines are. The only way to protect yourself against a 5% pullback is to absolutely get out of the stock market altogether and to stay out because you have no perspective of how the stock market works. Now, that's an option. But the point here is there is no meaningful impact to any of these headlines that we see. And if you're listening to this in St. James, it sure doesn't seem like you like financial journalists. You are absolutely right. And I say that because in many ways, they are the enemy of the investor, of the person that does want to get ahead and build a portfolio that works for them and supports their family over time. So enough about that, enough about the financial journalists. Let's now walk through the wisdom of some of the greatest investors of all time. I'm going to start with Benjamin Graham. Benjamin Graham is the mentor of Warren Buffett. He is where Warren Buffett credits learning a lot of what he does today as an investor. He's the father of value investing. And he wrote a book called The Intelligent Investor, which is one of the most widely read and most popular investment books today. Now, Benjamin Graham, one of the best investors of all time, what I love is he said this. He said, quote, the best way to measure your investing success is not by whether you're beating the market, but by whether you've put in place a financial plan and a behavioral discipline that are likely to get you to where you want to go, end quote. Now, the translation, what he's essentially saying is even to the greatest investor of all time, it is not all about beating the market. Yes, how you invest is crucial and it matters and you want to make sure that you're absolutely optimizing your investment performance. But even to Benjamin Graham, the priority is how do you structure a financial plan and how do you maintain the discipline needed to accomplish what actually matters, which isn't outperforming some arbitrary benchmark. It's not beating or outperforming a market. It is ensuring that you have enough to accomplish your goals. And I love that framing because so often we get tied up into what's the S&P doing? What's the Dow doing? What are my investments doing? Which is important. But you could outperform the S&P. You could outperform the Dow Jones. You could do incredibly well with your investments and still run out of money and still not meet your goals if you don't have that financial plan in place first. So focusing on that and then focusing on having the right behavioral temperament to stick with your plan is crucial. Another quote from Benjamin Graham that ties into this is he says, quote, the investor's chief problem and his worst enemy is likely to be himself. In the end, how your investments behave is much less important than how you behave. Again, this is the greatest investor, one of the greatest investors of all time. Warren Buffett credits Benjamin Graham for having written the best investment book of all time in The Intelligent Investor. And he said, the chief problem isn't trying to outperform the stock market or trying to pick the best stocks. The chief problem is ourselves and the behavioral issues we run into. 
I quoted or I referenced Daniel Kahneman in his book, Thinking Fast and Slow. And throughout that book, and it's an excellent book, by the way, if you're looking for something good to read, he talks about the heuristics that we have and that we are blind to. Isn't it as investors, as people, we think that we're making rational decisions, but so many of the decisions we're making are based on our emotions or based on our subconscious programming. And we just absolutely have no idea that we are making these decisions on autopilot and sometimes the operating system that's making those, which is the wiring of our mind and how we think, is not structured properly. So the chief problem of the investor is himself or herself. We make bad decisions driven by emotion, driven by these headlines, driven by greed, driven by fear. And that is what throws so many people off, even more so than the ups and downs of the stock market. Another one of the greatest investors of all time is Charlie Munger. Charlie is Warren Buffett's partner at Berkshire Hathaway. And one thing that Charlie Munger said that I really like is he said, quote, waiting helps you as an investor and a lot of people just can't stand to wait. If you didn't get the deferred gratification gene, you've got to work very hard to overcome that, end quote. Deferred gratification and patience is absolutely essential to be a successful investor. I've used this example on this podcast before and I'll use it with quite a number of people when I illustrate the power of compounding interest. And I'll use this as an example. I'll say, you have a choice. You can either receive $1 million today in cash, it's yours to do whatever you want with it, or you can receive one penny today. But that penny doubles in value every single day for a month. What do you select? What do you choose? Well, most people, they look at that and say, okay, a million dollars or a penny that, yeah, it goes to two pennies and then four cents and eight cents and 16 cents, but oh my gosh, it's going to take forever to get to a million. I'm going to take the million today. Well, by day 30, by the end of the month, that penny that's doubled is worth almost $5.4 million compared to the million that you could have had today. What it shows is compounding interest works. Compound growth works, but it takes some time. Now, a month, of course, isn't a very long time in that example, but that's showing something doubling in value every single day. Unfortunately, as investors, it takes a little bit longer than that, but the principle remains and the outcome remains. If you give something time, you will have success. The challenge, though, is that deferred gratification gene. Some people just have it naturally and it comes very easy. Other people don't, and they need an advisor or a coach or someone to help them with that to ensure that they can reap the rewards of good long-term investing. So Charlie Munger, one of the greatest investors of all time, it is all about patience. There's not a get-rich-quick scheme. It's about choosing the right investments and then giving them time to work. Charlie Munger also says, quote, a lot of people with high IQs are terrible investors because they've got terrible temperaments. You need to keep raw, irrational emotion under control, end quote. It is not just enough to be smart. It's not enough just to know the right investments to pick. It takes the right temperament. So it does not matter if you are a genius on the IQ scale, you have to have the right temperament. Another one of the greatest investors of all time, probably the most popular investor of all time or the most well-known, most quoted is Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett continues this, continues this theme that we're touching upon where he says, quote, the stock market is a device to transfer money from the impatient to the patient, end quote. So when you relate this back to some of the headlines of the headlines talking about the Dow collapsing and do this and do that, and here's five stocks to own to make a quick buck, or here's here's what you need to get out of this year because the market's about to crash, that just stands in stark contrast to what Warren Buffett is talking about here. 
the stock market is devised to transfer money from the impatient to the patient, meaning this happens. If you give it time, this happens. It takes being able to tune out the noise and tune out the headlines that we see on a daily basis. We have to understand that it seems like all we see is all there is, but all we see is these headlines. And if we can focus on some of this wisdom by people like Warren Buffett and develop the patience and understand that this works over time, it can be very, very powerful. Now, another thing that Warren Buffett said is this. He says that a market downturn doesn't bother us. It is an opportunity to increase our ownership of great companies with great management at good prices. So this is another thing. I almost want to reframe people's thinking a lot when I'm talking to clients or talking to friends where they're talking about, oh, I know I just need to have some patience and, and get through this downturn. Yes, that's part of it, but don't stop there. Reframe your thinking to welcome market downturns, to welcome a 10% or 20% decline in the stock market. What does that represent? Well, to quote Warren Buffett, it represents an opportunity to increase our ownership of great companies with great management at good prices. So can we continue to invest in these great companies and do so at ideal prices? So reframe your thinking to not think, oh, I just need to be patient. This too shall pass, which is true. But can you think of this as an opportunity? The next stock market decline, don't just try to endure it, but try to embrace it and understand that that's a great opportunity to do even better as an investor. Now, as an investor, it would be great if we could say, yeah, James, that makes sense, but wouldn't I love to get out of the stock market before it drops? And then once it has dropped, then I'll increase my wealth. Then I'll do what Warren Buffett says of I'm gonna buy at the bottom. I'm gonna buy once the stock market's down 20%, 30%. And if you can do that, then that's amazing. You could really accelerate your ability to build wealth over time using the stock market. The reality is I have yet to meet the person that can do so consistently. And not only if I yet to meet that person, but I'll quote another famous investor, Jack Bogle, the founder of Vanguard. Jack Bogle, a hero to many in terms of what he brought to the wealth management industry. He says, quote, the idea that a bell rings to signal when to get into or out of the stock market is simply not credible. After nearly 50 years in this business, I don't know anybody who has done it successfully and consistently. I don't even know anybody who knows anybody who has, end quote. So Jack Bogle was an investment tycoon. This was someone who revolutionized low-cost indexing, who revolutionized the way that we invest today. Many of the things we do today we take for granted, but they are because of people like Jack Bogle. And he says, someone who is a genius and who's around a lot of other financial geniuses says, I don't even know anybody who knows anybody who can successfully predict the stock market in its ups and downs. Peter Lynch, one of the best mutual fund managers of all time, ran a famous fund for a very long time. He says, quote, far more money has been lost by investors trying to anticipate corrections than lost in the corrections themselves, end quote. This is one of my favorite quotes of all time. I mentioned, look, if you could get out of the market before the market drops and get back in once it's down, you would be able to build a tremendous amount of wealth for yourself. Not only that, but you would quickly become regarded as the greatest investor of all time. Because Peter Lynch, who is regarded as one of the greatest investors of all time, even he said, far more money has been lost trying to predict the next correction or downturn. Essentially, people lose money because they try to get out of the market waiting for the downturn. And then what happens next? Well, one of two things. Either, and this happens all the time, the stock market just keeps going up. 
So they got out of the market. They're anticipating a correction because of a trade war, because the U.S. government's printing too much money, because of inflation, because of whatever it is, the election. It could be any number of things. People get out. They're sitting on cash. And then the market just keeps advancing. And every day that it advances is the opportunity cost lost and a permanent loss of wealth that they will never recover from because they'll have to get back into the market once it's higher and they missed out on a significant run-up. Or the other option, I see this all the time, is people get out of the market and then they get lucky. And they get lucky and the market does drop. And it's down 10%, 20%, 30%. And their perfect opportunity is there. You finally did it. You got out of the market, the stock market dropped. It's time to get back in. But what actually happens? Well, then you start thinking about it. And again, this isn't just theory. I see this all the time. People say, oh, you know what? Yeah, it's down 30%, but, but look how bad things are. I think it's going to keep dropping and they stay out of the market. And maybe they're right again and it keeps dropping and they rationalize it even more. Now they think to themselves, I am the smartest person that's ever lived. I avoided this. The market's falling and it's still falling. Let's wait a little bit longer. I'll get back in once things recover, once things settle down and get back to normal. And they convince themselves and convince themselves and convince themselves until one day they wake up and realize, you know what? I missed the bottom and the recovery has now happened without me. So once you get out of the market, you begin playing mental games with yourself. And those games keep you out of the market more often than not, because if it rises, well, you don't want to get back in because then you've locked in your losses. But if it falls, then you keep testing your luck because most people want to keep waiting until it falls even more before they get back in. So really, instead of trying to predict the ups and downs and try to avoid the ups and downs, the best thing you can do as an investor is have proper perspective. And this ties into the next quote from a great investor named Christopher Davis. He says, quote, a 10% decline in the market is fairly common. It happens about once a year. Investors who realize this are less likely to sell in a panic and more likely to remain invested, benefiting from the wealth building power of stocks, end quote. What this says is perspective is everything. If you invest because you expect the stock market just to go up, you have the absolute wrong perspective and you're setting yourself up for failure. But if you invest and you recognize that once on average, your portfolio is going to be down 10% at some point throughout the year, even if it ends up higher, that's the right perspective to have. Not only that, but once every five, six years or so, your portfolio will be down by over 20%. So when you can start to recognize that these temporary declines are number one, temporary, but number two, very normal, a normal part of the investing process, you are setting proper expectations. Now, what you can do is design a portfolio to ensure that those ups and downs don't derail your ability to retire or do something else with your wealth like it's planned for. But having that right perspective is crucial to investment success. All right. And then the last two quotes I have are both from one of the most impactful investors that I follow regularly. Someone who has instilled the most amount of clarity and wisdom into how markets work, how successful investing works, a guy named Nick Murray. And There's two quotes here. One I just like because it sets perspective even more, where he says, quote, if you think the market's too high, wait till you see it 20 years from now, end quote. People not wanting to invest because the market is quote unquote too high is one of the most common hesitations people have when it comes to investing. And why do they have that hesitation? Well, the market is at an all-time high. And all we've ever seen is the market where it is today and lower. We've never seen it higher than today. But the reason we invest is because the market continues to hit all-time highs. And because we haven't yet seen something limits our perspective on what's possible. So when you think about the market being too high, 
whenever it's at levels like this, it just seems right that a correction is going to happen, that a downturn is going to happen, and one will. The question is, will it happen now or will the market advance another 20%, 50%, 100% before we see that downturn? And that is the hardest part about investing is not knowing what's going to happen next, a 50% run up or a 20% decline. So this is where long-term perspective comes into play. No one has any idea where the market's going to be in six months or 12 months or 24 months. But if you think the market's too high today, wait till you see it 20 years from now. And then finally, and I think this is the most impactful quote, the one that I think matters most when it comes to not just investing, but personal financial planning in the fulfillment of our own goals is this, also by Nick Murray. Quote, no matter how much money you have, if you're still worried, you aren't wealthy. End quote. To me, that is such a powerful quote that financial planning and investing has nothing to do with how rich we are. It has everything to do with how wealthy we are. Riches has only to do with the dollar value, how much money you have in your portfolio, how much income you make. And by the way, there's always going to be someone that has more money than you and makes a higher income. Wealthy is about the fulfillment of what our values are, the fulfillment of what actually matters to us. Are we living in a way that brings us joy and contentment and purpose? If so, you are wealthy. And if you have the financial resources to do so, to afford you the ability to do that for the rest of your life, you are wealthy. Whether that means you have a million dollars or $10 million or $100,000, whatever it is, that is the key at the end of the day. We get distracted with riches, but what really matters is wealthy. And you can be the richest person in the world, but if you're still worried about money, if you're still worried, you aren't wealthy. To me, that has directed how I do financial planning with my clients of I want to have, and I do have, a group of very wealthy individuals that I get the privilege of serving as a financial planner to because we use their wealth for the purposes it was intended for. Not to see who can die with the most amount of money, but how can you fully live with the wealth that you do have. So I hope this was helpful. The hardest part about investing is sometimes not the investing itself, it's the noise that happens and the headlines that we see and what happens when we open our smartphones or open our computer or turn on the TV. The distractions and the bombardment and the noise and pollution that we see in financial media that can derail so many of us as investors. So knowing what the greatest investors of all time have said in terms of their wisdom and how it applies to financial investing and financial management, I hope that's helpful because that's what we want to base our investment portfolios and our planning on. So thank you for listening. As always, it's a privilege to be able to do this. And thank you for tuning in and spending 20 minutes of your week with me. And I'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Ready for Retirement podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe and let me know by leaving a five-star review. And as always, for a list of the notes and the resources mentioned in today's episode, you can find those at the Ready for Retirement website, which is readyforretirement.co. That's readyforretirement.co. And if you have a question that you would like for me to answer in a future episode, then you can also go to the Ready for Retirement website, readyforretirement.co. There's a page called Submit Your Question where you can submit a question for me to answer in a future episode. Thanks as always for listening, and I'll see you next time. Hey everyone, it's me again for the disclaimer. Please be smart about this. Before doing anything, please be sure to consult with your tax planner or financial planner. Nothing in this podcast should be construed as investment, tax, legal, or other financial advice. It is for informational purposes only.